Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Everyone, John Wertheim here. It is this week's Sports Illustrated slash Tennis Channel Tennis Podcast. Our guest, our youngest guest that we've had uh, in a long, long time, Stefanos Zitsipas, number 32 from Greece, a uh, young, up-and-coming, uh, thriving player on the ATP Tour. He is in Washington, D.C. this week after a vacation, and before that, a fourth-round appearance at Wimbledon. Um, candidly, we'd never spoken before, but uh, it was an absolute pleasure uh, speaking with him. I think you'll enjoy this conversation. This is one of the young rising stars in the sport. He's up to 32 now and isn't defending a whole lot more, so uh, this could very easily be a top-20 player by the fall. Uh, good conversation, and uh, I think you'll enjoy this. So here he is now. How are you? I'm great. You? Good, you? thanks. How uh How's it going? How's Washington D.C. treating you? Yeah, well, yeah, it's fine. I I'm had a couple of practice sessions here. I've been here like three days, um, so it's it's all right. This is like our uh, Athens. Have you uh? Do you get to do any sightseeing, or is it pretty much uh, tennis in the hotel? It's uh, no, I didn't have that much time to go around the city. It's, uh, as you, like you said, it's um, mostly practice. You know back to the hotel so not that much of sightseeing we'll we'll give you some tips i uh, hope I, hopefully I, I can have some yeah, i can have some free time between my matches i will be you know i would like to see the city just visit discover city very nice city but don't don't lose early stay stay in the no, tournament no, no, as no, long no, as you no. can um no, no. definitely I, no so so i looked it up uh a year ago this week you were uh you were playing a challenger in Slovenia. Yeah. You're now uh you're you're top top thirty two. You'll be seated at, at the US Open most likely. You've uh you've won a lot of matches, you've won a lot of money. What's what's this year been like for you? Oh, it's uh, it's been a roller coaster. Um <laughs> many, many ups and downs and uh I I didn't have a you know, 
a decent start uh, of the year, uh, doing well in Doha, playing well, reaching the quarterfinals. Then uh, losing in the first round of the Australian Open, you know, I, I was not sure back then what's the, what the year is going to be like. So uh, I kept working hard with my team. Uh, you know, I kept believing. I um, I took some time off uh, vacation, you know, um, bring my body back to normal to 100 percent. Then I then I got back uh, the Monte Carlo Rolex Masters after having vacation in the British Virgin Islands. And uh, I qualified, I won my first round match uh, against another next-gen player, Dennis. Um, so, um, yeah, it was a pretty good uh, tournament for me at Monte Carlo. Then I went uh, on to the next week, Barcelona finals, which, to be honest with you, I really <laughs> didn't expect. I just, I just, you know, concentrated. I was concentrated on my game more than doing well and doing good results, so I, I, I can say just came automatically, just switched everything, went my way at this tournament, and then it helped me raise confidence and uh, believe in myself even more. So, yeah, I kept I kept working hard, and our Roland Garros was a bit, I can say, not unlucky, but, uh, you know, I, 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 had, I had to face a very tough uh, play court player, uh, Dominic Team. And uh, then, yeah, Wimbledon, which uh, is my favorite tournament, and I always wanted to do well there. So um, it was just uh, phenomenal to be in the fourth round of uh, Grand Slam. It's something that I, I believe any any kid uh, dreams about. Of. And you hit the best shot of the tournament. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know that, right? I think I think it was the best shot. I'm not sure. I mean, I guess it was the best shot. <laughs> yeah, it was the best, especially given we're, we're going to post this when we post this podcast. We'll post the clip, but uh, uh, yeah. where where this was oh. in the match, also this this was you, you didn't hit this uh, in in the first game when there was no pressure. Um, we'll we'll post the clip, but you and then you went on another vacation, right? I saw the, I saw your yeah, Instagram about about my about my vacation. You said right? Yeah, yeah. Then you you uh, you you took took a week off, well deserved after Wimbledon. Where, where did yeah, you? Yeah, uh, took a week off. I went to a completely deserted island in BVI. You like that British. BVI? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Do you? Do you? I wind, loved it there. You windsurf? No, I was just swimming the whole day at the beach by myself. Uh, yeah, just uh, trying to you know balance myself, uh, understand uh, my feelings, understand myself a bit better, get to know myself. And it was actually it was the best, uh, the best one week of my life. It, it, as weird as it as it may sound, being alone was the best thing that has ever happened to me. I felt like uh, I felt like I, you know I didn't belong to society anymore. I felt like <laughs> I was on my own, doing whatever I wanted, and uh, being completely away from everyone. What did what, you learn? Keep going with that. I, I, I um, that, that's it. What did you learn about yourself? There, but what, what in the you, island? No, no. What what, what what did I learn about yeah, myself? Yeah, yeah. What did you uh, What did you discover? What was What was part of this uh, this emotional journey? Well, what, did, what did you discover? It, it it may sound weird, but the relationship, like I, I got to understand how I feel, and um, I was at that at that at that given moment, like when I before before going on vacation, I uh, I played Miami and Indian Wells. 
I, I you know, it's it's tough when you are when you're with your dad all the time. And uh, I mean, I obviously love my dad. It's uh, he's a member of the family, and uh, he's the only the, the only person that uh, you know I trust and everything. But sometimes it's too much, you know, having a person next to you and having that many people and. Um, uh, how can I say it? You know, you know the pressure of the game and everything. Sure. You just, you just, you, you don't feel like alive. Like you don't, you don't feel like yourself at all. So it, it just came. It was something that it was uh, that I wanted to do for a very long time, and I have the, never had the opportunity to do. So uh, I'm really grateful that I did this and uh, kind of like settled down and. Uh, got to, as I said, know myself a little bit better. I was, you know, my, uh, to to understand how I feel, how, <laughs> what I'm like alone, because I never had this, this feeling alone. I always was surrounded by people and by um, family members and by, I don't know, te- my team. So it's, it's not easy, you know. It's really interesting to hear you say that. I mean, some of this is you, you sound like a teenager that might want some, some distance, but uh you know, a lot of times we hear about players who say, oh, I just needed a physical break. And as soon as exactly. the season was over, but it sounds like this That's is what almost, I needed. Yeah, but it sounds like this is spiritual. A physical break on my own with no people around me. And you feel, uh, you, you, you're, you're 19 years old, but you feel refreshed. You feel like, sounds like you feel very replenished uh, coming back from vacation. Yeah, I was very refreshed. Uh, and uh, I, I felt, I felt like, uh, it was a new beginning for me, a new start, and after that, uh, after this vacation, and I felt very confident. It's, it's like I felt double the confidence that I had before, and I felt, as you said, fresh. I felt um, my body was, uh, you know, my, my my body's battery was at back at 100 percent. I I remember. I, I remember I was I was talking to Andy Roddick once, and he said, you know, he he won. The U.S. Open 15 years ago, and he reached Wimbledon final, played Roger Federer, but he said one of his favorite, favorite years on tour was the first time he went through the circuit and saw all these cities for the first time, and he saw the facilities. Um, where do you feel you are in, in your career right now? I mean, is, is it still, boy, I've never been to Washington, D.C., and what what a neat event, or do you, do you feel like you're a, a top 40 player who's – locked into a job and, and defending points. I mean, where, where are you in your career right now as you see it? I start feeling like a regular, to be honest. Uh, no, it's definitely, I'm, I'm definitely new to that, to this circuit. Um, I'm young and uh, last year I didn't play that many ATP tournaments. I was, you know, um, uh, mixing with uh, challengers and ATPs. So I was not like uh, 100% following the ATP World Tour circuit uh, at the top. So now this year I'm, I'm have only played. Uh, I, I think I've played only one Challenger this year, and the rest well, was only ATP events. So um, it's it's definitely nice. I feel like I feel like uh, you know slowly I'm I'm getting in there and uh, I'm becoming a regular. I'm becoming someone who. Um, you know, has been there for many years. You, you <laughs> but feel for, like, me, uh, it's, it, for me, it's just the beginning. It, it's, but a, it's nice to be in DC. Uh, it's nice to to play in, uh, at tournaments that uh, I didn't play last year, and uh, it's like I'm always uh, search, uh, you know, exploring new things that 
I didn't have the opportunity to uh, to play at tournaments that uh, last year, for example, I was not here. You, you you feel like you belong. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you. Uh, we we do not often see players from Greece. Um, tennis was not one of the original Olympic sports. How how did you come in? How did you come into the sport? Uh, my parents were coaches in our local resort um, next to our house, and uh, they were giving lessons to tourists and. Uh, um, you know, visitors that stayed at the hotel, and I was hanging around the courts uh, the whole day. And um, at, at some point, I go, I know, I got the racket and start kidding with the kids that my dad used to coach, the kids of the, you know, you know the people that came for vacation there. And I just, you know, started playing with them, and uh, slowly got more interesting for me. They signed me in our local tennis club, and after having regular tennis lessons, uh, then I really liked the sports. I I, I did uh, um, I did play football and uh, uh, did light athletics uh, at the same time. So I actually liked football a bit more than tennis. And then I won my first tournament at the age of nine, uh, eight, I think, in in Normandy in France. I went for some kids' tournaments there uh, for the summer, and I won one, my first tournament. Um, and I was really happy of the accomplishment and uh, uh, the way it felt to win something on my own. So since uh, that day, I said to my dad, I want to play tennis and not football. So you're, you're eight years old and you win this tournament. What did, what did your okay, backhand? Okay. I forgot that you... What I forgot that? that you call it soccer. Sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. But what? What did your? I, I want to ask about your backhand. When you were eight years old, what did your backhand look like? Ah, yeah. Uh, I used to play with two-handed backhand when I was seven or eight, and then I switched uh, at eight years old to one-handed backhand. It was it was tough, you know. Uh, first of all, because I didn't have that that much power in my body, and uh, all the kids used. To, I mean, they they did play with two-handed backhand. I was the one of the few kids that played with the single hand and backhand, so I think it was a yeah, it was something good for me. <laughs> I cannot imagine myself playing two hand backhand. Um, I, it was a very interesting shot for me uh, when I was young, and uh, I wanted to you know I, I admired Roger Federer, so uh, he was uh, one of my main inspirations. But that that was your decision. That, that, that there wasn't a coach who said nope. That was hundred uh, percent my decision. You you know it looks much prettier too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine me playing double hand back yeah, exactly. the way I play now? I think you should try it at, uh, at, at age nineteen. I, I you mentioned Federer. I was thinking uh, we we don't hear a lot of Greek players, but we hear players with Greek surnames. Uh, yep, Zampras and Philippoussis. Um, one handed backhands also, but but Roger was the player you you looked up to as a kid. Yeah, Roger was the my you know. He was just the the way he played. Uh, it, it was like reflecting on me the way the way I played, and uh, I always wanted to be like him. And uh, I always, uh, you know, watched his matches. I uh, admired Rafael Nadal as well because of his fighting spirit and the energy he uh, he had on the court. But uh, mostly Federer because it was the way he played. It was so beautiful and so. Looked so natural to me. What's the uh, what's the state of tennis in in Greece? I mean, we we have uh, 
you know, we, we have a top 50 female player as, as well. What's the state of the sport in your country? Uh, it's getting better. It's getting more popular than before. And uh, people seem to like it a bit more than before. It, yeah, as I said, it's uh, getting more popular. And uh, it's just, uh, I believe it's just, if we, if we if we make good results and, uh, you know, good wins and uh, uh, get higher in the ranking and have more attention uh, on the media and TV, then obviously the sport will grow even more. But uh, as I said, it's, it's growing and I, I can see people going out playing tennis more and uh, the media is doing a pretty good work. So... Um, yeah, I think it, it can get it can get even bigger in the future. Uh, are there facilities? I mean, there there courts and places to play. Yeah, there are. Yeah. What about the federal? I mean, there are no big events there, um, no. which is how a lot of countries get, you know, m- money to the federation. How how is the funding? I mean, how how are you able to travel the world when you well, were, when, when you were a junior, at, especially at my current state. At my current state, well, the help of the federation is not anymore. I mean. It's not a big thing, but uh, when I was younger, it was uh, it was a struggle. But uh, you know, now it, it got better, and you know I can support myself. And uh, thank God I have uh, the Morocco Tennis Academy. They they support me as well with my uh, coaches and fitness coaches and everyone, and my practice when I'm whenever I'm there. So I'm, I'm I feel blessed to have all those people around me that uh, you know. They provide for me, and uh, I can I can trust them. But uh, no, there is not no, no support from the federation, not at all. You, you mentioned you mentioned Patrick, uh, another Greek name, Patrick Moratoglu. Yeah. What, what's your what's your connection with his um, with him and his academy? Do you, you you can stop in there as you like? What's your relationship with Patrick? Yeah, I'm part of the team uh, Timor Timor It's a it's a like a, a team of. Uh, Popirin is in there, Alexi Popirin from Australia and me, and uh, they are helping us a lot and we, we can be there whenever we want, whenever we like. They have the right coaches for us, they have the right team, and uh, it's, it, it just everything seems to be so fluid when, when they're around and um, it's, 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 you know, it's a, it's a, it's a lifesaver to, to be part of the Maratlu Academy. They, they have uh, taught me so much and they have helped me so much. Uh, but uh, yeah, my relationship with Patrick is very good, and he he has been showing my matches, supporting me, giving me advices. He he's a really good coach and nice person. And tell me, you you mentioned your father, who is uh, who's who's your principal coach, and I, I I looked him up. He's 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 on the ATP website, so we can we can say he was a former pro. Um, what what's your relationship with him, and what's uh? Well, what's what's the we we see a lot of parents and fathers coaching uh, in, in women's tennis. We you see it with Zverev, obviously, but we we don't see that much in in men's anymore. What's it like having your dad as a coach? Uh, well, you know, it's not easy. <laughs> Definitely, it's not it's not easy. How's that? But um, I mean, who else could I could have possibly had if it wasn't my dad? It would be so much more difficult to have someone else that I don't trust and I don't know that well so having my dad is um, you know is the best thing I can have of course we have fights sometimes and you know the father-son relationship is not always at its best 
But uh, at the end of the day, I appreciate what he does for me because not many fathers dads would do for their son. And he also has a very good knowledge of the game. So he helps me a lot. He's like, he's the ultimate person next to me. He, he does everything for me. And every 90 days, you can go to the BVI and just uh, get, get away a little bit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, so I, I was having this uh, debate with someone on two things. I, I'm curious where you stand. Um, young tennis player, what's, what's more important, talent or ambition? Ambition, definitely. Why? Because um, ambition, you know, beats talent. If you don't have ambition, then um, it's like you're zero. Like there's there's no sense of uh, playing. But talent is uh, talent is you know something that uh, comes uh, from nature if you have it. But <laughs> ambition, it's it's just much stronger than than talent. Ambition. Definitely. Good answer. I cannot, I cannot explain it. No, I cannot explain answer. it that much. Good. But right. I, I, I believe that ambition is so much stronger than talent and it just um, reflects better. When do you think... So, so you, turn, you turn 20 in a few weeks. So um, unfortunately, you, I don't think you will ever win a major as a teenager. I think uh, yeah. you, you, you got to the fourth round in your last major as a teenager, which is a, a great achievement. But uh, so, someone we were talking about, when do you think it will be that another teenager will, will win a major? Do you think we'll, we'll see that? Or are those days over? To be honest with you, I think it's something really tough to achieve to, to win a Grand Slam uh, as a teenager. It's just, to me, it's like impossible. But uh, if it happens, then it will be a hell of a story, an amazing thing. Um, wh- why do you think that is? I mean, so everyone, you know, it's, the sport is more physical and you need the leg strength or it's... Tennis, tennis has evolved. It, it's yeah. not the same thing as it used to be 10, 20 years ago. It, you know, taller players with uh, bigger serves, uh, shorter rallies, unfortunately... And the game is becoming faster. Uh, players, uh, you know, have better physical right. uh, than before. And uh, the, mentality, the, the, the mental part in the game has, you know, changed as well. And uh, the game is played uh, differently than it was used to be played before. So it's, uh, I think it's common in sports. It's in every single sport, there's a... You know, yeah, it's a, it's a sport of changes. Balls. Right. Um, as Rafa said in one interview, she uh, I saw an interview that Rafa gave. I, I don't remember to which, uh, but never mind. It she said that uh, tennis. Uh, I see cha- tennis changing in a couple of years uh, with uh, you know big servers and short rallies, and it can turn out to be bo- a boring sport. I hope it's not, but hope hope everything all these things that he said won't happen, but. I mean, you never know. That's 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 where you and your one-handed backhand come in. Um, I'm really sorry because I need to go, and my my dad told me ah, I need, we need to go for practice. Very good. All right, you have uh, you have a tournament to get to, but uh, it was yeah, a pleasure I'm talking sorry, to you. <laughs> no worries, it was a pleasure, Eferisto, and uh, good g- good luck. We'll look forward Thank to you. seeing you in New York. Appreciate it. Thank All you. Right, take care.
All right, there goes Stefanos Tsitsipas. We thank him for spending some time with us. I don't know if you caught that. His father in the background said, uh, time to practice, son, which uh, gets into a bit of the father-son dynamic that he had uh, spoken about. But I really uh, I really enjoyed that. Jamie Lasanti, you, our esteemed producer, uh, you were listening to that conversation. What struck you? He's great. He's really, uh, he was really engaging. I mean, I don't know if it was, he was gearing up for practice, but he was really into it. Um, I liked how he shed some light on the fact that he's coached by his father and he doesn't really get so much time alone. And he kind of had this <laughs> discovery period for himself. Um, you forget you know. he's, a, he's 19 years old. He's a teenager traveling with dad. Uh, you know, most of us would probably react exactly. similarly. Exactly. So yeah, that was really cool. Have you seen him play? Yeah. I mean that shot in Wimbledon, like we said, we'll, we'll link it. But um, incredible, you know, and he's been really exciting. He's gone from first round in Australia to second round at the French, fourth round at Wimbledon. So trending in the right direction. Exactly. Um, no, I think there's there's a lot to like here um, on any number of levels. I again, I candidly had not spoken to him before. I thought especially for, for 19 years old, that was uh, that was well played. And I thought I thought it was interesting, too. We always hear about players who take vacation and they send their Instagram photos and you know, w- women as well, as soon as the season's over. Uh, but usually it's, we, they talk about it in physical terms, and I had to give my body a break, and I did nothing. I thought uh, a 19-year-old who's taken two spiritual breaks to uh, best week of my life, he said, to sort of <laughs> learn a little bit more about himself. I thought that was very, very mature. But uh, definitely one of the, the up-and-coming players. I thought it was interesting, too, what he said about um, teenagers breaking through. And I think we, we always talk often about the this trend of the aging field and players deep into their 30s and all four Wimbledon finalists this year were north of 30. Uh, interesting to hear the the 19-year-old perspective. Um, and I think it's healthy. I, mean, I think it's healthy for the sport. I think it's healthy for the player. You don't come saddled with expectation. If you're 19 years old and you're sort of thinking to yourself, the days of teenagers winning majors, are that's, that's a thing of the past. I need to build this slowly. You think I, that's a good thing? I think that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I mean, it's funny too. You go back and we're talking about you know 20 25 years ago so it's not prehistoric but it's also not loud but you know Andre Agassi was this colossal disappointment until he broke through how old was he he'd barely turned 22 I mean you know Nick Nick Kyrgios is uh, older than Andre Agassi was when he won his first major and uh, I think it's healthy for these players not to come out with wild expectations and they can go in he you you heard him talk he's Fourth round of Wimbledon. He's thrilled. That's right. a that's a career result for him, and it's a sign that things are on the right track. You don't get the feeling he went in thinking he was going to leave with the trophy, and it's a disappointed he only won three matches. So, part of that though, I think, is like we as like the tennis community should probably switch our discussion a little bit to not peg these young players all of a sudden as soon as they have that first breakthrough as oh my god they're going to win majors. I think. Starting to switch the conversation and discussion to say these people are showing really good potential and they're really young and we can say, look out for them. These are the next gen. These are the, you know, but let's be real about the expectation there and they're not going to win majors. I think that's kind of plays into everything because sometimes, you know, you, you think of like a CeCe Bellis, you know, winning and all of a sudden she's like, you know, she wins at the U.S. Open and she goes really far and she's a teenager and she gets all the headlines and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, you know, everyone wants to peg her as like the next big thing. And right. that's not necessarily the case. So I think it's fair. It's to, healthy. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, the other thing I would have 
spoken to him more about is just the role of funding. And I think sometimes we forget this. If you're not independently wealthy and you don't come from a country where there's a federation that's willing to invest. I mean, a lot of these players go to Kazakhstan because there's a federation with money. Um, how do you travel to these events? How do you have a competitive career when you've got to pay for own travel and coaching? And uh, I think that's something that uh, he deserves a lot of credit for overcoming. Same, I didn't mention her by name, but uh, Maria Sakari is the Greek player mm-hmm. on the women's side who's in the top 50. Uh, again, I think sometimes we uh, we probably overlook that, that there's a huge financial element to this. And American players have the good fortune. A lot of the events are here. The USTA runs a, a major, which spits off you know tens of millions of dollars in funding. If you're from a country like Greece, where there is not a tournament to speak of, I mean, maybe a little Davis Cup revenue here and there, but uh, for, for him to be 19 years old and a top 32 player is really impressive. Um, Which is probably why he is so grateful for his father and the role he's played, because like he said, I mean, basically, like, who else is going to coach me yeah, if it wasn't him? Right. So uh, I think that's an important relationship that, like, as you said, you, you have Zarev, but there's not many other examples of that because most people do have a federation or support where they have a, you know, a stream of coaches that they can tap into. Um, so it's another different Interesting thing. you mentioned Zarev, who also has a, uh, a father, two parents who were uh, right. former players, and uh, they have the same agent. They also have siblings at play in, in case of uh, Stefanos. It's a younger sibling, but there's some symmetry there. Um, all right. Any other r- real quick? Uh, I was off last week, so we didn't really talk much U.S. hardcourts. Give me two storylines you're going to be following between now and the U.S. Open. I'm excited to see how Serena kind of just plays her way through. She's entered let, in a lot of I was going to say, let us, uh, let us say that we are recording this on Tuesday morning. Uh, right. That was because of Stefanos's uh, match schedule in D.C. So Serena's playing as of right now, anyway, I as think we, sure. I think she sure. is in San Jose, California, as we uh, report this. And uh, yeah, whether this is a bid to get up her ranking or match play, um, Serena could have a fairly active yeah summer here. So that's so good to see. That's one. Um, what else you got? What else I got? Uh, I think Novak Djokovic is the other one. We last mm-hmm. time we kind of talked and did our Wimbledon wrap. We were really interested to see um, what happens next with him. I mean, he kind of surprised us in Wimbledon, but he's back on track and kind of back in the game so it'll be interesting to see how he fares uh in the fall and going into the u.s open how he he kind of responds after winning a major yes people said is is Djokovic the favorite uh at the u.s open now and i said you know i i think we got to see how these summer i think these summer events suddenly become very interesting roger is pulled out of uh canada which is not a a huge surprise a bit of a disappointment i suspect next year he plays montreal which is um and perhaps alternates. I mean, I think this is all, this is what you do when you try to prolong a career. But Rafael Nadal is a defending U.S. Open champion. We forget about Novak Djokovic. Pretty nice hardcourt resume he's amassed through the years, and suddenly he comes in. So I, I think uh, these summer events are going to have some real predictive value. I think it's too early to say who's going to win the U.S. Open because uh, we've got a number of, of different scenarios. Um, what about you? Storylines, too? Uh, I think the women's... I mean, I, I've loved women's tennis. Uh, I always love women's tennis. But uh, this year in particular, I, I've loved the women's game this year. And I think Sloane Stevens is, is an interesting player to watch always. Azarenka is still someone who uh, I, I'm keeping an eye on. I don't know how much, you know, if Maria Sharapova has a lousy U.S. Open, um, what is the status of her career? I mean, I think there are a lot of storylines, but I think you're right. I mean, I think Serena is always going to be the, 
the driving narrative. And um, no, on the men, things the plot in some ways got very, very interesting yeah. after Wimbledon. At the same time, we are still in uh, big three land. I mean, it has still been a long, long time since uh, a player not named Federer Nadal Djokovic. It's been two years, in fact. Um, and then sort of the sub-storylines, Andy Murray, Stan Favrinka, um Nick Kyrgios, just by default, is always someone who's interesting. And then I think, you know, uh, I'd put, uh, yeah, these kids, them kids. Uh, <laughs> someone's got to fill the void here. Uh, Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, Djokovic, they're not going to play forever. They're still going to hold tournaments. Who's going to win them? Um, all right, that was, uh, I enjoyed that. That was a good conversation. Again, yeah. I'd never spoken to him before. I was really impressed by that. You know, not always, uh, not, not every 19-year-old is uh, that outspoken at that poise, especially in his second language. So anyway, uh, Jamie, thank you as always. Pleasure. Thank you. Welcome back. Thanks. We will uh, do it again next week. If people were uh, so inclined, where might they uh, pick up this podcast, Jamie? They can go on Apple Podcasts and subscribe, leave a review. I haven't checked our reviews in a while, so I think it's. I think I should do that. But please leave them, and I'll read them this week. Uh, and yeah, that's yeah, it. Keep keep the guest suggestions coming as well. Uh, there were some good ones, including this one, and uh, I thought it worked out well. So, all right, have a good week, everyone. We will do it again in seven days. Mm-hmm.